All right, well, good morning, church. What a great series it's been, looking through Ezra and Nehemiah and all that God uh, did in the people of God back in uh, the Old Testament. And we're going to celebrate today what he's, doing today, uh, what he's doing in our midst as well. When you came in today on your seat or your seat, a seat near you, you should have gotten a card uh, that we're going to reference later in the message. There's a QR code on the back. It's going to take you to a website that talks a little bit about our vision initiatives that we're going to outline in our message today. So hold on to that. We'll get to that later on in the message. Now, I understand this morning if some of you are a little sleepy uh, because you're hopped up on tryptophan from uh, Thanksgiving. Anybody eat a lot of turkey this week? All right. More than the first hour. Man, do you guys, does anybody eat turkey? Like half, less than half of you raised your hands this morning. Well, praise God. We're so glad you're here this morning. Uh, I'm going to invite you to wake up because today is what we do once a year. We call Vision Sunday. And so we'd like to celebrate all that God has done at NBC in 2023 and cast a little bit of vision for 2024. Uh, the video, video you just watched recapped our series, Rise Up and Build, on Ezra and Nehemiah. And if you were with us, you know that over and over again during this series, we return to the themes of vision and calling. And today what we're going to do is ask the question, what is God calling us as a church body to do in 2024 and beyond? We're also going to try to wrap up the series and maybe with a little bit of sweat equity, finish the wall. Are you ready, Pastor Dave? You got I'm some ready. bricks over there? Let's do All right, this. we're going to finish the wall today. Buckle up. Well, let's start today where we finished last week. Nehemiah 13.31 says this. Remember me, oh my God, for good. Remember me, oh my God, for good. Now, if you'll remember, in chapter 13, it was all about Nehemiah confronting the people of God, calling them to live out the covenant promises that they made in chapter 10. He didn't want all the good work they had accomplished to be wasted. And so Nehemiah says, remember me, remember me, remember me. But it is a whole lot more than that. He wants God to remember his people for their faithfulness to the mission God has for them. So the question for us this morning is just this. How do we want to be remembered? As individuals and as a church body, how do we want to be remembered? Because we live in a world, a cultural moment where people are hostile to the God of the Bible. Will we choose God? Will we embrace the wisdom of God as James 3 outlines? Or will we choose the world's wisdom? And our prayer this morning is that NBC will be remembered for our covenant faithfulness to our Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of Nehemiah 12, after the wall and the city are completed, all the people gather together for a celebration. Essentially, they have a party, which includes a parade ending at the temple. And then we read this in verse 27 of chapter 12. It says, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites and all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, with singing, with cymbals, with harps, with lyres. I'm picturing John Bonaventura in this scene right here, just crying out to God. All the people gather together for a worship service like we're doing today. They come with thanksgiving to celebrate all that God had done in their midst. They're singing. There's a parade that ends at the temple. The singing of the people is, in fact, it's so loud that we read this in verse 43. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. And listen to this. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Can you hear it? Church, is the joy of Jerusalem in our midst? Are we a church known for the joy we have in Christ? And we desperately need that in today's world. Can people hear our joy? Because we can show the world something different, young and old and in between and men and women coming together to praise our God. In 2024, may the joy of Jerusalem, the joy of our Lord, a joy that comes from newness of life in Christ, resonate from this corner. Amen. That is our prayer. NBC's been here since 1851, proclaiming the gospel, and by God's grace, and should the Lord tarry, we'll be here in 2151 and beyond, proclaiming the salvation and true joy are found in Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Now, let's shift for a moment, and let's talk about vision. Mission and vision are a little different. In Nehemiah chapter 1, we get a beautiful picture of what vision looks like. Vision is a mental picture of where God is calling us. And Nehemiah had that. 
His heart was broken for his people and his city, and he resolved, even though he was in exile, to go back to help build Jerusalem. He answered God's calling in his time. What is God calling us to now? Because many years before Nehemiah returned, Zerubbabel was the first to lead God's people back to Jerusalem. And you may remember that Zerubbabel's name means planted in Babylon. And it serves as a powerful reminder that God has strategically placed each of us where we are. Just like Zerubbabel embraced his calling to Babylon, let us today reflect on where God has planted us and consider how we can flourish in our unique surroundings, contributing to the growth of God's kingdom. God has planted you and I in central New Jersey and Millington Baptist in central New Jersey for a reason. Zerubbabel's name reminds us of the fact that our vision here uses the image of a tree. It looks a bit like this. It's moving. It's growing. Here at NBC, we love trees, and our vision reflects that. We want to be a church who makes disciples of Jesus Christ that are firmly planted, growing together, and made to multiply. Now, have we been doing that? Well, let's take a moment and just reflect on the last year. And Pastor Dave, he's fired up to share with you. I'm his so part. fired up. <laughs> let's say that vision together. We want to be firmly planted, growing together, made to multiply. It's been an incredible year. It's a joy to serve with you, Pastor Bob. It's a joy to serve as one of your pastors here. Woo. There's been a lot to celebrate. There's been weddings. There's been funerals. There's been good times. There's been tears that we've shared together. But God has been so gracious and so generous uh, in 2023, uh, Millington Baptist Church has been really blessed by God. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, our attendance has really, really seen a jump this past year. We've also seen a tangible increase in our financial giving, and a lot of intangible metrics have been uh, evident <clears throat> as well. Let me just draw your attention to a few. Our spiritual formation programs continue to grow, including some new adult education seminars this year, like our church history seminar. We now have 12 different small groups that meet throughout the week, including our brand new group 10, the Empty Nesters group. Uh, we have some exciting new women's ministries, and now we're in our second year of the Radical Mentoring Men's Program, which has been so outstanding. I could do a whole message just on that program. It's just been something the Lord has used greatly in the life of many of our men. Get involved in that program. Next, we continue to expand our care ministries. We're offering Stephen ministry training again in January because of the needs of Millington Baptist. Uh, we trained two new Stephen leaders this year. Uh, we've seen an increase in our benevolent fund distributions, and we continue our very personal Advent and Easter visitations towards the shut-ins that are associated with Millington Baptist, which is an incredible blessing. This year, we also offered our first ever divorce care uh, course, uh, which was a blessing for those experiencing that difficulty. Uh, right around this time last year, we stood up on this stage and invited you to partner with us for some campus upgrades. One of them was to install a brand new state-of-the-art speaker system. I think about it because the subwoofer is right above my head every time I come up here and preach, and I worry about the structural integrity of that beam uh, every single week. But it's been uh, holding up just fine. We had an architect check that out. Thank you, Mark. But it's been a blessing to uh, the worship team and the production team uh, this year to enjoy the new speakers. We've also had a lot of great events. I can't name everything, but we've had men's breakfast, men's activity nights. We had our women's if gathering. We had our fall calling workshop, the summer revival event, the night of hope, and many, many other exciting events. Thanks to your generosity, we participated in the Operation Christmas Child shoebox campaign. Uh, last week, we had a stage full of boxes that we prayed over. We collected 310 boxes. So nice job, church, as we sent those across the globe uh, towards children in need. And NBC Kids continues to be a wonderful ministry here. Each Sunday, we have over 80 kids participating in NBC Kids Sunday morning programming, including 19 new families this year that have started attending. Uh, our hair-raising Easter egg party had 113 families attend with four VIP families. Those are families who have kids that have special needs uh, that we create an environment that's conducive uh, to them to come a little early. And we did the same thing at Trunk or Treat. Trunk or Treat had 77 families and eight VIP families come uh, this year. So we're so excited about that. And then every summer we do our VBS or what we call our <laughs> summer adventure program. 
This year blew the roof off the place. It was a huge success. We had 163 kids. We were trying to keep it to 150, but we made it to 163 because we don't like to say no. And that was a tremendous week-long program where 25 kids accepted the Lord Jesus Christ for the very first time. Can we give God praise for, for that? That's just awesome what he's been doing. Amen. Thanks for highlighting that, Pastor Dave. But like they used to say, there's more. That's not all. This past January, we hosted our first ever Contend Conference, which was a huge blessing. Well over 200 attenders and 70 volunteers came to the campus to talk about living for Christ in this challenging time to contend. So we have Paul Gould and Daryl Bach and T.C. Cannon as our speakers. It was just, it was a blessing. Uh, on the heels of that, we launched our first ever Alpha course, which uh, taught us how to engage with non-believers in a really compelling way. And we did have a number of people that came through asking some really good questions about the faith. Just this earlier this month, we had our underground sessions on artificial intelligence, which has become a topic of a lot of conversation in the culture. And so we made that our focus. Um, we had over 150 people attend who were challenged to think about this cultural issue from a Christian worldview. And if you missed that event, uh, you can jump on board with our digital ministry expansion. It's on our YouTube channel. Speaking of YouTube, we've expanded that digital outreach ministry in an exciting way with the launch of three new podcasts. So we have our Behind the Pulpit, our, um, our Fresh Wave podcast for youth, and the Underground Sessions. So we also um, have other features like Wednesday in the Word and Teaching Tuesdays. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel uh, or seen any of the podcasts, let me just give you a little bit of a taste of what those look like. Check this video out. This week on Behind the Pulpit. We got a lot to talk about. I want everybody to see my socks. Oh, look at these Oh, things. look at that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move beyond the announcements to a bigger picture of what's going on in culture in a segment we call In the News. U.S. military asks public for help in finding missing F-35 jet. All right. So this is the part of our uh, Behind the Pulpit uh, podcast where we do a little theology sprint. Roundtable mm -hmm. sprint. On today's episode of the Fresh Wave podcast... Hey everyone, welcome to the Fresh Wave Podcast. The Fresh Wave Podcast is for youth, by youth. And Johnny. And Johnny. Tell us, what, what, what's something we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so we're going to be talking about doubt, habits, temptation, patience, trusting God, worship, prayer, insecurity, humility, thankfulness, Christian standards versus societal standards. All right, well, we're coming up to the point of our show that we love to call. Hit me with your best shot. <laughs> Fire away. <laughs> My question is for the lovely Christy here. And I came up with it as soon as I saw your cow cup. What's the deal? <laughs> why why do we like this so much? Hey there, welcome to the Underground Sessions podcast where we have courageous conversations at the intersection of faith, culture, and politics, all with a biblical worldview in mind. What do you, what do you think people are thinking of when, when we say artificial intelligence? Something that would... Uh, behave almost as a human, you know, have sentience. Are, are you of the mindset, do you think at some point there's going to be this conscience robot, like this, this idea of this super intelligence is going to be able to basically be capable of human functions, it's not going to need somebody to program? Whether something has conscience is, you know, is debatable depending on how you define it. The danger is that you could leave machines, you know, you could automate things and leave it to the machines and algorithms to run. The fear is, you know, what happens when you know, it goes beyond the, the bounds of where you expect that you know, it would normally behave. All right, so the YouTube handle is NBC Unhindered, and that is an exciting place to be right now. Uh, we also leaned into what we're going to call short videos with compelling themes as a strategy to reach people with questions about their faith. We're going to talk a little bit about that later in the message. Uh, but the bottom line is we've seen our views and subscribers grow by about 300% this year, so God is uh, doing a work there. Uh, Lastly, missions. Missions, um, uh, NBC has a passion for the mission, both locally and globally. Uh, this year, if you haven't been downstairs, we created a brand new missions uh, center with a kiosk and everything down in Fellowship Hall. It's interactive. If you've not checked it out, you can stop by, click on the display, and see a map of the world where all of our world partners are serving. If you don't know, we, we support over 30 people who are all around the world, locally, globally, doing the work of the kingdom. And God is raising up a new generation of missionaries, and your giving is helping us to support 
world partners like the Vosters and their work with college students in Cambodia. We supported them last year, uh, helping them get some dormitory leaders to help share the gospel. Uh, we're we're going to share a little bit about that more on Behind the Pulpit tomorrow, so uh, stay tuned for that. Also, we supported Young Lives and their efforts to reach teenage mothers in Somerset County. Um, and, and there's more excitement to come this year, so we can't wait to tell you about more tell you more about that later in the message. Indeed, the joy of Jerusalem, the joy of the Lord is resonating around the world. So that was last year. Uh, for the rest of our time together, we're going to talk about this coming year. And the reason we're doing that is because the wall's not done. The wall's not done behind us. There's still more work to do to build the kingdom. And what we'd like to do is revisit our vision and share with you some exciting plans to flesh that out in the coming year. As promised, we will try to complete the wall. Dave, again, he's got some bricks. I got some bricks. We're going to put them up. With each new initiative, we're going to put a brick on the wall. So let's walk through what it looks like to be firmly planted, growing together, and made to multiply in 2024. Before we do that, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all the work that you have done here at NBC. In these many years that we've been here on this corner, Lord God, and, and over the last year, Lord God, we praise you. And we know that we cannot do anything apart from you. And so, Lord, we pray today that you would remember us, remember us, and may your spirit come and guide us and lead us and draw people to yourself as a result of the ministry that's happening here at Millington Baptist Church. We give you all the glory for that, Lord, and we give the rest of our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Dave. Amen. So today we're going to kind of wrap up the Ezra-Nehemiah series, looking at it through this lens, through this theme of firmly planted, growing together, and made to multiply. So number one, firmly planted. Uh, we want to be a church that is firmly planted in the truth of God's word and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here at NBC, we believe the Bible's inspired, it's inerrant, and so every word of it is true and it's profitable for our lives. And that belief really filters its way down through every single program that we have. Uh, it influences our adult ed program, our small group program, women's ministry, men's ministry, kids' ministry, and especially the way we preach from this pulpit right here. Uh, that is all grounded in and submitted to biblical authority because we want to be firmly uh, planted. Uh, in our series, we met a character named Ezra. Ezra was described as a student of God's law, and he really exemplifies for us the importance of anchoring ourselves in God's word. You remember this verse from Nehemiah chapter 8? It says, they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book. Uh, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. That's exactly what we want to do every single week here at Millington Baptist Church. Just like back then, we want to be a people of the book. And this is why this past year we have gone through expositional sermon series is going through books of the Bible. That's why we go through Ecclesiastes. That's why we went through Philippians. That's why we went through Ephesians 6 and did our spiritual warfare series. That's why we went through the Psalms. And of course, that's why we did Ezra and Nehemiah because we are indeed a people of the book. Uh, one of the biggest blessings in my life this past year was NBC generously offered me and my family to take a sabbatical, which was incredibly uh, wonderful for us. Uh, but during that sabbatical, I visited different churches. Every single Sunday, I would go to a different church, and I would see my, my friends preach, and it was, it was a great blessing to, to do that. But I will say, at the end of that process, I came back to Millington Baptist Church, and I was thinking, we really have something unique to offer here. I really, I'm not saying this in a proud way. I'm trying to say this with all humility. We should be really proud of what we're doing here as we ground ourselves in God's word and seek to be firmly planted. Uh, we promise to be a people of the book this next year too. Uh, in 2024, we're going to start off the year with a sermon series on the gospel of Luke, delving into the life of Christ. And uh, we're looking forward to studying that book for six or seven months together uh, it's going to be awesome. In fact, here's a, a trailer just to whet your appetite for that new series. Have you ever lost something? Something that was precious to you? A loved one? A wedding ring? A career? Something irreplaceable? How far would you go to save that which you lost? Now, what if you were lost? How far would someone go to save you? 2,000 years ago, a baby was born in Bethlehem, a birth that was prophesied long ago by the prophets, a birth that was proclaimed by angels to shepherds watching over their flocks at night. 
the birth of a king that would go on to heal the sick, make the blind see, calm the storms, cast out demons, a king who would raise people from the dead, a king who would go on to lay down his life to save the lost. What child is this? He is Christ the King. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us, the Prince of Peace, the Messiah, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, the way, the truth, and the life. He is hope. He is peace. He is joy. He is love. He is the Son of God. He is Jesus, the one who came to seek and to save the lost. He is Jesus, the one who came to save the world. So we are super excited about next week's kickoff. Please don't miss that Sunday. It's going to be a wonderful uh, study in the Gospel of Luke. We want to be firmly planted in the Scriptures. Now, uh, speaking of the importance of the Scriptures and the Bible, you might remember on our Vision Sunday last year in 2022, we stood up on this stage and we said, we want to send a couple people to this Awana conference to explore the possibility of having that ministry uh, here. And we want to add this as a brick to the wall. So Pastor Bob, put that Awana brick up there because uh, this Awana program has taken off like a rocket this year. In this first year, uh, we put together a team of 50 willing adults that were willing to invest in this weekly effort uh, to lead a group of 75 kids and um, lots of different families uh, as part of this program. Three of those families do not even have a church home. And so they are coming Wednesdays every single week uh, to be part of Awana. It's a discipleship program that really firmly plants uh, children in the truth of God's word and spends time memorizing God's word. So we want to expand our Awana program in the next year because we want our kids to be firmly planted. And we want our adults to be firmly planted as well. So two initiatives around uh, adults here. The first one is hiring a part-time discipleship coordinator to oversee our adult discipleship programs. So look forward to that job posting coming out soon. And then secondly, uh, switching gears a little bit, we want to be firmly planted in terms of our emotional health. Uh, Pete Scazzaro famously said, you can't be a mature Christian and be emotionally unhealthy. And so we want to make an investment here uh, by partnering with a biblical counseling center. Uh, we want to equip our people who are in need of support uh, in terms of emotional support um, to, be, uh, to have these counseling services. So our goal is to raise $20,000 towards that initiative in the next year. So those are just some of the efforts around this idea of being firmly planted. Now, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah were really all about rebuilding some physical structures uh, around the town of Jerusalem. So they rebuilt the wall, they rebuilt the temple, they rebuilt the city, they rebuilt their houses. And we have some physical uh, structures that we want to invest in as well. So the third brick, Pastor Bob, is campus upgrades. Uh, we want to do some facility improvements, including some new campus furnishings in our youth and family ministry building, including a beautiful new conference room uh, upgrade and also an upgrade to our audio-visual system in the great room in the YFMB. And uh, we are putting together a, a long-term capital reserve plan to care for our facilities for the next generation. This is what it means to be firmly planted. Now, the second thing we notice in Ezra and Nehemiah is not just that they were planted in terms of God's word, but we also learn uh, about the importance of prayer. And Nehemiah was a person of prayer. Over a dozen different times in the book, he's seen praying. There are quick prayers, there are long prayers, there are prayers of intercession, there's prayers of thanksgiving, there's prayers of desperation, all kinds of prayers. But one thing is clear, Nehemiah was committed to pray. Uh, you remember, as soon as he heard about the city of Jerusalem being destroyed, in chapter 1 it says this, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Uh, right, after he's asked, at, right before he's asking the king for permission to rebuild, it says, Then I prayed to the God of heaven. In chapter 4, when the enemy comes to discourage him, what does Nehemiah do? He prays, saying, hear us, O our God. Uh, then when the threat comes to wage war on the workers of the wall, uh, Nehemiah just simply says, but we prayed to our God. And then when they try to assassinate him, he simply says, but I prayed. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 9 is a lengthy prayer, and as we have read earlier in chapter 12, as they dedicate the wall, they spend time in prayer and in thanksgiving uh, for God, to God who allowed them to finish this great work. 
And in chapter 13, there's this short little prayer that occurs four times as Nehemiah just says, remember me, O God, for good. Remember me, O God, for good. The point is, over and over and over throughout this book, Nehemiah is seen as a man on his knees, as a man who's dependent on God. And this is a great example for you and I. Martin Luther said one time, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is a mark of spiritual maturity. When we pray, we are showing that we live dependent on God for everything that we're doing. Uh, And so if we want to be firmly planted, then a mature Christian displays this humble, childlike posture in prayer. And so at NBC in the next year, we want to be a church known as a church who prays. Uh, We want to begin to offer more and more intercessory prayer at the front of the sanctuary after Sunday services. We want to spend some designated time in prayer together for revival. We want to pray in our teams. We want to pray in our groups. We want to be a church that's marked by prayer. Why? Because we want to be firmly planted in the Word of God and in dependence on God. The reason this is all important, this is important, is because the church is actually God's transformational change agent for the whole world, not just personally, but culturally and globally. If you're worried about this country in 2024, the best thing you could do for this country is to build a healthy church together with us. It is not the government that's going to call people to a higher level of living. It is the church that's going to do that. Who's the one who's instructed us to love our neighbors as ourselves? That's the message of Jesus, and his message is put forward by the church. This is our generation, and we are stewards of the church in our generation. So what are we going to do with this stewardship? And what's at stake with this stewardship? I want to show you a couple pictures that just wrecked me this month. These pictures are our teenagers at Millington Baptist Church on their fall youth retreat a couple of weeks ago. Now look at them, hands high, on their knees, seeking God. This is the future of Millington Baptist Church. This is why we do what we do. This is why we make an investment. It's because we love the next generation, and we want the next generation to be firmly planted And so that's why we're doing what we're doing. Point number two, we not only want to be firmly planted, but we also want to be about growing together. We value community and fellowship at Millington Baptist Church. There are many things that you can successfully do alone. Growing as a Christian is not one of them. Now, in the last 25 years in our nation, you may not know that we've seen the greatest loss of people attending a church. In other words, we are watching right now what they're calling, calling the great de-churching of America. This great decline in terms of people who used to go to church but now don't go to church. Over the last 25 years, we've seen a 40% decrease in church attendance across this country. Now, you might know that they have identified the primary cause of this departure as well. The primary cause of this departure is that the people who left did not experience connection there. They did not experience true community there. They did not experience a true sense of belonging there. And so this year, we want to make an investment in this idea of growing together as a church family. You're going to see opportunities for connection with men's ministries. You're going to see opportunities for connection with women's ministries coming up. Our radical mentoring program will enter into 3.0 phase. There's a March women's retreat that you ladies should register for and get a hold of because that's going to be an awesome time of growing together. We want to grow together as a community. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 3, there's this awesome picture of the entire community coming together to build the wall. At first, This chapter seems a little dry. It seems a little boring. It's just a list of names and who worked on what section of the wall. And if you read through it too quickly, you will miss the fantastic significance of what's going on in Nehemiah chapter 3. If you read it carefully, you're going to see that, wow, there's both men and women working here. There's both clergy and laity working here. You have groups from different towns getting together to work. You have different 
classes that are working together here. You have the ruling class, you have the working class, you got different trades working, you got goldsmiths, you got perfumers, you got merchants. What you have here is representatives from every single element of society that are all doing the work together. It's unbelievable. And so the lesson we learn from Nehemiah chapter three is that when it comes to God's kingdom, everybody participates. It's all hands on deck. In other words, the ministry must be done not just by the pastors, not just by the elders, but by the whole people of God. Uh, we have a lot of different trades represented here. We have teachers, we have businessmen, businesswomen. Uh, we have lawyers, we have doctors, we have accountants. We all have different gifts. In the New Testament, we are the temple. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. And 1 Peter says we are living stones being built in God's temple. And so every Christian has a ministry that God has called you to do. We've all got gifts, everybody's different, but we need all hands on deck. We, we need everybody and every gift. There are no gifts here that are not important, and that includes you. God in his providence have, has caused you to come and attend Millington Baptist Church for this season. You are not here by accident. Because of your background, because of your experience, because of your gifting, there are certain tasks that only you can do. There are certain hearts that only you can touch. There are certain hands that only you can hold. And so God needs us together to serve his body in our time. We want you to use your gift. And unless you use your gift, our community can't be all that God ha has for us in the next year. And so we want to grow together. A couple new initiatives around this is, uh, number one, uh, we want to invest in some leadership development. Uh, we were blessed last summer uh, with some great interns that we were able to grow together with, and we want to expand our internship program this year. We're excited about that. And then this next year, we want to get more involved with our denomination. Some of you may not know we're part of a denomination. It's called Venture Church Network, formerly the Conservative Baptist Church of America. What you may not realize is that our regional director recently told Pastor Bob and I, hey, do you guys realize that Millington Baptist Church is the vanguard for our denomination, that people look to you, that the rest of our 900 churches are looking to you for some guidance regarding vision and resources, and we want to take advantage of that opportunity and invest in other churches and other pastors. There's an important conference in May where we're going to learn more and share more about that. We want to grow together and expand even beyond our borders. And speaking of growing together in fellowship, those are more serious, but there's something that's a little, a little bit more playful that we've been involved in in this past year. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about pickleball here for a second? Because it's game time here, Pastor, Pastor Bob. D, when are you going to get on the, cor <laughs> the court? <laughs> there you go. This is like, ah! <laughs> Take that. <laughs> you got to watch out for Pastor Bob. He's, he's sneaky, man. He's, he's scrappy. He's scrappy, so... Rematch after church. Okay, so pickleball <laughs> has been sweeping the United States of America. It's a phenomenon. Everybody younger and older generations are captured by this cultural movement. And we don't want to ignore that as a natural touch point for us as a church. Now, last year, all we did really was paint a few lines on our parking lot and invite some people to come out. And boy, did they come out. We had neighbors that don't even attend our church coming out for the Sunday night pickleball activities. And so this year, we want to push forward with that initiative and make a bigger investment with some new equipment and some new resources there to our facilities. And we want to think about something called pickleball evangelism, because I think this is a chance uh, for us to show love and care and connection even with our community and reach beyond our walls. So look forward to that in the next it's year. It's a great idea, Pastor Dave. I'm glad you thought of it. Uh, so it's the hinge. Pickleball is the hinge. You can connect with people and also you can, you can reach out. So let's get to our third point, our Made to Multiply initiative. That's the third element of our, of our vision. Now when you read books like Ezra and Nehemiah, this part of the vision doesn't immediately jump off of the page. I mean, after all, you might say they're building temples, they're building cities with walls, they're not allowing outsiders in. And that's true, but we have a command from Jesus himself, right? But when Jesus ascends to heaven, if you jump to the book of Acts, what does he tell us? He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You are my witnesses. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's the mission. That's our calling. 
And as we tell more and more people about Jesus, the kingdom grows and it expands. The joy of Christ is heard. That's our mission right now. Now, in Nehemiah's time, he also had a mission. He and his people were doing their best to accomplish God's calling in their lives. Nehemiah's heart was broken, we read in chapter 1, when he heard about the distress and ruin of Jerusalem. And in the same spirit, let us allow our hearts to be broken for the things that burden the heart of God today. May our compassion be the driving force behind our commitment to these various initiatives in this vision campaign. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. If you'll remember, throughout the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, there was opposition to the mission. Zerubbabel and his people stopped building the temple for, what, 20 years or so due to intimidation. In Nehemiah chapter 4, the enemies of Israel were surrounding the city. Their enemies were working against them, attempting to thwart the plans, mocking them. Sambalat and his men, they were determined. But when that intimidation came, what did Nehemiah do? He prayed, right? Do you remember the prayer in chapter 4 that Pastor Dave referenced before. He said, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builder. So Nehemiah prays for God's favor despite opposition. But then what happens? Do they run and hide? Do they give up on the mission? No, we read this in verse 6. It says, so we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had what? They had a mind to work. They built the wall because the people had a mind to work. In other words, nothing would stop them from accomplishing the mission God had for them. Do we have a mind to work for the kingdom? Are we prepared to do what it takes to build God's kingdom despite opposition? In that vein, we have to believe what they believed. Nehemiah 4.20, our God will fight for us. Ezra and Nehemiah followed God's calling for God's mission in their time, and we are following God's calling and his mission in our time. So let's talk a little bit about Made to Multiply and the initiatives for 2024 we got some exciting things coming up. Let's start first with local outreach, which is so much so important today. NBC has a heart to reach our community as we equip people for the work of gospel ministry. And this year, we've identified two specific areas that we want to invest in or continue to invest in for God's glory. The first one I mentioned before is the idea of digital outreach. Now, you may have noticed that more and more people are going digital nowadays. And as I mentioned in the opening, over the last year, we've updated in, we've invested in, we've expanded our digital ministry footprint. And a big part of that ministry has been what what I called before short videos, which are typically like 60 seconds in length. And what we do in those videos is we present gospel truths or we we raise issues that people outside the church are talking about. And so what I want to do right now is just give you a quick glimpse of what's going on there if you haven't seen them. Check this video out. What's cool as we reflect on his salvation, as we reflect on the incredible things that God has done, is they add up, which means God is faithful. Worship is just a really good way of talking to God and feeling God's presence not only with each other, but also in our personal lives as well. Worship is both a song and a way of living. To be in Christ, it doesn't mean that you're merely compensated as God's employee. You're provided for as God's child. So remember grace. I don't think liar and I don't think lunatic are the right option. And the only third option is is he's the Lord, which means he really is who he claimed to be, which is the Lord, the God who has revealed himself, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that he's one with God and this is who we worship, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. But maybe you are standing like the psalmist who says, it was good for me that I was afflicted. It was good for me that I've experienced these trials. It's proof of who I am in this life. I've been reminded about who I am in you and who you are and what you've done, that I no longer live in the kingdom of darkness, that I live in the kingdom of his son, that I've been raised to life, given the spirit. This is who you are, Christian. This is what you're putting on. This is how you are to shod your feet in the preparation of the fight. We all deal with something, and so these are those things like, okay, I'm drinking from the cup. Jesus says, are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said, we're able. And Jesus is like, 
you will drink my yeah, cup. Yeah, you will. <laughs> yeah, you will. All the things that God, you pray, God, please take this away. Oh my gosh, God, I can't bear this. What's going on yeah. here? Those things, you know why he doesn't take it away from you? It's because those are the things that you need to lay down. <laughs> lay it down at the foot of the cross. A Christian is someone who has had a change of citizenship from one homeland to another. When you understand who you are, that you're a son of the king, that you're a daughter of the king, that gives you your position. And your dignity is not in your earthly citizenship. Your dignity is not in your bank account. Your dignity is not in your good looks. Your dignity is not in your educational title. Your dignity is in your relationship to God and your citizenship is in heaven. We believe that every human has value in their life from conception to death. And so we don't want to end that early because then that's showing that we're not valuing that person's life. And so, again, dignity, that's a big word, but you just remember the word value, I would say. It's like how God values each and every person. And so we need to value each and every person's life. And it's God who's the one who decides when that ends, not other humans. So through this creative new field, more and more people are discovering MBC and hearing about the love of Jesus. Now, let me show you why this is important. I just want to show you a graphic up here. Th this kind of captures what's going on culturally, because people in, in the past would have gone online to find a full sermon. Nowadays, in the broader culture, people are looking for these, these shorter videos. And so as the, the graphic points out here, at the intersection of the videos and the unbelievers is an opportunity to reach people with the gospel. And if you haven't noticed, more and more people are living online. And so what we're trying to do is step into and infuse it with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this year, uh, what we want to do is invest in crucial, these crucial tools so we can do more promotional targeting for our local community. We want to connect with people locally. And targeting usually requires uh, some form of resources behind it. And so we also want to invest in uh, production equipment so that we can produce higher quality videos with the purpose of equipping the saints and reaching the lost with the gospel. So that's digital outreach. Secondly, another brick. Pastor Dave, are you working up a sweat back there? I'm ready. Okay. I didn't hear you hammering in there, so make sure you get the brick in the wall. The Contend Conference. In January 2023, we mentioned we hosted our first conference, 200 plus people, volunteers. It was amazing. Uh, we accomplished the goal of being an equipper. Thank I heard it that time. Thank you. Not just for our church, but for our region. So in January of 2025, we're going to host the second Content Conference, and it's going to be headlined by Alicia Childers. You may have heard of her. Uh, for those who don't know, she's a very popular speaker in the area of apologetics and related topics, and that's a pretty big deal. So what we're hoping to do is add tracks for like kids and for teens. Um, we hope to uh, partner with other local churches in our denomination, Venture Church Network, which Pastor Dave mentioned before. And our hope and our prayer is that this conference will be even bigger and impact more uh, people. And of course, that comes with a cost. And so we pray that you would help us make that a reality. Now, second, let's talk about missions. Here at NBC, we have a passion for the mission both locally and globally. And this year, we want to continue to invest in building God's kingdom in our state as well as around the world. So this year, three initiatives I want to mention that span next-gen and missions. You ready, Dave? All right. He's, he's ready to run. Got your tools? All right. First... Youth mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Each year, the rush, the MEC teen ministry goes on a mission trip each week. And this summer, we're going to expand our kids' exposure to the world to see the great need, amen, uh, of Jesus by traveling to the Dominican Republic. So they're going to partner with a ministry called Isaiah 58 and bring physical food to people in need. They're going to do things like sports ministries and VBS uh, to bring Jesus to those that need him. And what we're praying is that these moments of serving the Lord together will provide a faith that is immovable and alive in our teenagers. Second, on the local front, we are going to partner with a ministry called Street Hope Alive, one of our local partner ministries. Uh, as, and if you don't know who they are, they're a new partner ministry that NBC supports in Patterson, just up the road. Uh, they were founded in 2011 with the goal of offering hope and building relationships that lead to life transformation. And so this year, NBC is going to partner with them to provide educational funding so students can receive a quality education based in a Christian worldview. And then third, on the global front, we're going to partner with Josiah Venture, which is a youth ministry-based um, organization primarily in Eastern Europe. NBC currently supports several partners who are, who are in Romania, and this year we're going to go above and beyond to support Bogdan and Diana Anton as they launch their EDGE sports programs in Romania. They were here a couple months ago sharing about that. 
Now, Edge Sports is focused on intentional disciple-making through church-based sports. And just to give you a whet your appetite and see what that's about, we have one more video to show you. Check this out. make you want to get up and dance just a little bit. I saw some of you bobbing your heads out there. Now, what we're going to do here is at these camps, leaders actively share the gospel of Jesus Christ and then connect the kids into a local church where they can be discipled. Uh, several goals this year are to raise up more coaches, which is really important for a lot of the boys who don't have fathers in their homes. And so we pray that you would help us uh, be part of God's story in Romania this year. So we're incredibly excited about our Made to Multiply vision. Um, in Nehemiah chapter 1, again, we get this news. The wall of Jerusalem is broken um, down and the gates are on fire. And that is devastating because it's not simply about a wall. It's about the trials of a people. It is heartbreaking. And Nehemiah's response captures the, um, the emotion of the moment. We read this in 1-4. And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven, and I said, O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. Did you hear that Nehemiah weeps? Nehemiah fasts. Nehemiah prays. Nehemiah recognizes the great power and love of his God. So church, I would just simply ask, what moves your heart? Do you want to see young leaders raised up? Do you want to see the gospel go forward in New Jersey and in Romania and in the DR? Do you want to help us do everything we can to reach people, to get the gospel out and train the saints so we can contend for the faith? If you do, we want to challenge you today to partner with us above and beyond this year. And what we've laid out today is a strategy to help our church live out the vision of God as we're firmly planted, growing together, and we're made to multiply. So today, we, we just want to ask you to pray, and Pastor Dave will talk about this more in a minute. Pray like Nehemiah and ask God how he is calling you to give at MBC. Because just as the people of Israel work together to build the wall and accomplish their mission, we have to work together to fulfill God's calling for us. Which leads us to ask an important, maybe final question about these books in the Bible and why they're here. As we wrap up this series through Ezra and Nehemiah, what's really the point of Ezra and Nehemiah? Because I don't want us as a church to read them in a shallow way or to read them in a superficial way and just draw out moral lessons from these books. That's not really why these books are actually in the canon. And that's not really how you read books of the Bible. That might be how you read Aesop's fables to draw out a moral lesson from the story. That's not how you properly read a biblical book. And so these books are in the context of a larger biblical story. And only inside of that larger narrative arc do we really understand the point of why these books are here. 
And so the story of Ezra and Nehemiah are really part of a larger story about what God is doing in the world. And this Ezra and this Nehemiah point us towards a greater Ezra and a greater Nehemiah, if you will. This Nehemiah is pointing us towards the ultimate Nehemiah, the one who would leave his palace, his place of comfort, to be with his people, not just at the risk of his life, but at the cost of his life. And what did he come to do? He came ultimately to build up the city of Jerusalem, the city of God, the new Jerusalem. Nehemiah points us to him. Mm. Ezra and Nehemiah are wonderful mm. leaders, but they are also disappointing to us. Mm. As we read these stories, we recognize these are not the ones we were hoping for. These are not the ones we were looking for. We're looking for a different leader, and these leaders simply point us towards that one. Consider the time that Nehemiah's enemies told him to come down from the wall, and his response was, I'm not coming down from this wall. I'm doing a great work. It reminds us of that story in the Gospels where the enemies of Christ taunt him, saying, come down from that cross. We know from reading the whole Bible that his response is, I cannot come down, for I am doing a great work. It is this work of sacrificial love that these books are pointing us to. And so these Old Testament stories are signs of something else coming, of someone else coming. And they only point us towards the greater Ezra, the greater Nehemiah. And it's in that narrative arc that these books begin to make sense for the rest of us. In their stage of history, they were building God's kingdom their way. This is how you did it. Uh, you formed a city, you built walls around the city, and you continued the work that God called you to do. We are building God's kingdom in our day, and we are building the city of God through the church. The church is the organization that God is working through in our age. That's how we apply these books uh, from a larger framework. We can learn lessons from them. Just like Zerubbabel thrived where he was planted, we want to thrive where we're planted. Just like Ezra had a commitment to the word of God, we have a commitment to the word of God. Just like Nehemiah followed God's vision in his life, and just like the people around said, we will not neglect the house of God, we can say we will not neglect the house of God. But all of these leaders were motivated and inspired by the promise of God that was present in their generation, and we are inspired by the promises of God in our generation. We want to make an impact just like they made an impact. And our challenge for you is to partner with us. So as we close today, we want to ask you the question, what will happen if we don't fulfill God's mission for us? And I think Nehemiah's discontent in chapter 13 is what's at stake. If you'll remember last week, the people of God were marrying people who didn't worship the true God. And, and, and it caused a problem with their kids. Let me remind you of the verse that we read last week, Nehemiah 13, 24. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, and they could not speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each people. And that verse right there is what's at stake. Will we allow the next generation to be captured by the language of Ashdod? Now, we live in a world that's hurtling toward secularization, and the thought of God and his gospel is far from many people's minds. And if you lose that next generation, who will take up the faith? So the reason we do what we do here at NBC is so that all may hear, so, so that we can be part of the Holy Spirit's work in this world. We want all people to learn the language of the lion of the tribe of Judah. We all need Jesus. We must complete the mission no matter what it takes to go and to make disciples. And that means we have to have a mind to complete the work. So where is God calling you to give of your time and of your talent and of your treasure? Ministry requires resources, and that's both people and money. It requires generosity. Nehemiah 10.39 reminds us of the people's commitment to be financially generous. And it says this, For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain and wine and oil to the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and singers. We will not neglect the house of our God. And just as they pledge not to neglect God's house, let us respond with open hearts as we partner together to make God's vision a reality here at NBC.
So they finished the work, they finished the temple, they finished the city, they finished the walls. And as we finish this series, let me remind you of that verse about the dedication of the wall. Look carefully at what it records here. Chapter 12, verse 43 says, And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. You ever go to a football game or some sort of big sporting event where you're approaching the stadium and as you're walking towards that facility, you can begin to hear the roar of the crowd from the outside and as you get closer and closer and closer, it gets louder and louder and louder. This is what was going on. It was, it was exciting. Uh, they were so joyful. It was just such a wonderful time of praise for all God had allowed them to accomplish and it was really, really loud. Now, God made this message resonate. God is the one who increased their joy. And we pray that God would do the same in our midst. Now, the application in that verse comes with that word great. Did you notice that? It says they offered great sacrifices. That means they gave generously. That means the people of God gave freely and they gave abundantly towards the work of God. And we ought to follow their example. God deserves our best. If you get invited to somebody's house for Thanksgiving, sometimes they ask you to bring a dish, and you take some time, and you prepare that dish, and, and you bring it with you with a smile on your face. Maybe you brought something like that this week as you celebrated Thanksgiving. But if you showed up at their house with a half-eaten piece of candy bar and said, here, I didn't finish this, but this is my offering to our Thanksgiving celebration, well, I think that would be considered to be a rather rude gesture. Uh, what I'm saying here is that God deserves our very best. We bring something of God that's of some worth, something to God that's of some worth to us. So our challenge, Pastor Bob and I would like to offer to you this morning is will you help us build this wall? And just imagine uh, what God could do through us this next year. On your seats as you came in today, you should have had a little card nearby. There's a QR code on the back of that card. It's also on the screen. You could just take your phone out now if you'd like to, and you can scan that QR code. It takes you to a detailed web page that outlines everything we've talked about today in much more detail. That will explain all of the vision campaign and what we are trusting God to do in the year 2024. And we're just asking you this question. Will you prayerfully consider partnering with us in this next year. This is not a high-pressured situation where you need to give today. This is you going home, talking to your family, and asking, what is God calling me to give above and beyond between now and the end of 2023? Uh, for some of you, uh, you have not yet started financially giving to NBC, and perhaps God is calling you to start giving to this church. Uh, perhaps some of you, you give, but it's a little bit more sporadic, and God is calling you to give in a more regular way this next year, a more systematic way. Others of you, you already give regularly, you already give systematically, and God is stretching you to another level of generosity to support what he's doing here in our church. But wherever you find yourself, I think the scriptures are clear that we should grow in the grace of giving. Here's the real bottom line. It's not that God needs your money. It's not that the lights are gonna go out at Millington Baptist Church if you don't give. Uh, we don't do that here at Millington. This is something between you and the Lord, and we trust that God will speak to your heart. Here's the issue. You can't be a follower of Jesus without also being a generous giver. And the reason is because you were made in the image of God, and our God is a giver. When God gave, he gave his very best. And we're just encouraging you to reflect the fact that you were made in his image as well. At the end of Nehemiah, there's that verse that says, Lord, remember me for good. And that's really our prayer, that the Lord would remember us for good in this next year. And so let's pray to that end. Let me invite the worship team to come and lead us in one more song. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we thank you that you have been so very pleased uh, to work so powerfully in our midst in this past year. And we pause for a second just to give you thanks. You are so, so good. And now as we look forward and we embrace the vision that you've given to the elders and the staff and the leaders of this church. We pray that you would go ahead of us. Uh, help us never to be out ahead of you. We want you to be out ahead of us and help us to be faithful
to all that you're calling us to do in this next year. Would you please uh, use us for your kingdom and for your glory? And when you do that, we will be very careful to give you all of the praise and all of the honor and all of the glory for this. For we ask it in the name of Jesus, your one and only Son. In his name we pray. Amen.